0: Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video, we'll see you on the next one, and as always, stay gifted. Welcome back. Another episode of the Welcome Back <laughs> podcast, uh, giving you the knowledge practical takeaway to improve your own general physical preparedness. Today is a good episode. A, we've got a single question on the Q&A, so we don't really even have to call it a Q&A. We can just make this the sleep episode that was inspired by... A user question or a client question. He is a user of the Gifted Express Powerlifting Program. The folks at uh, the local Crunch Fitness call him Big Crunch Daddy because he is officially the strongest member that they have. Uh, his name is Mike Landau. Um, his Instagram tag is impossible. I don't. I don't. I don't fucking get it. I don't like it. It sucks. It's got too many underscores. But it's his name, Mike at Mike, and then there are an, undisclosed amount of underscores in there as well so his question is a long one uh maybe we can get jake to like throw it on the screen down below right here he's got those skills
1: thank you jake
0: that (laughs) made my fingers look really short i don't like that don't make fun of my sausage fingers all right mike asks or well mike prefaces his question so the disposition as he called it Uh, sleep is currently broken up into one to three hour increments at a time, total average of four to six hours per night. So we got someone who's sleeping here four to six hours per night. And that's like the root of his concern. Um, this is due to second shift work. So he is on shift work and getting up to feed slash change a baby. So he has a newborn. Congrats, Mike, um, with the exposition out of the way, what can I do to optimize my recovery from training when sleeping is suboptimal? I understand nothing will replace sleeping more, but since that's not an option for now, what can I do to ensure I'm giving myself the best recovery I can, despite my sleeping circumstances? So when you look at the question as a whole, do you have any initial thoughts? Like, what are the things that immediately pop into your head when you read this question?
2: The first thing I, uh, how long does that last the, the whole feeding and changing a baby.
1: Dom, you know, how long does it last? I don't know. <laughs> You're a learned man. I think uh, Dina was telling me um, the sleep will improve after like six months.
2: Uh, and my oh, second man. question is, where where's the fucking mom in all
1: of this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to laugh with you, but like, what if something happened? <laughs>
0: No, I know Mike, and I know his fiance. I think might be his wife. I know Mike's uh, w- wife is there as well. I see her in the IG stories. She's putting in the work. So the wife, mom, fiance. Sorry, Mike. Doesn't sound like she's putting in enough she... work. <laughs> no. <okay>. So Paul's <laughs> additional suggestion is crack the whip. Have you tried that? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, if you expected us to start this question off seriously, you haven't listened to enough episodes of the podcast. Okay, so. All right. Is it really six months? I thought I was going to say at least a year.
1: No, like the baby will start sleeping longer.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, at six the months. Baby okay. will start sleeping
1: longer. She said yeah. after about six months.
0: Okay.
2: No other initial thoughts, Dom?
1: I kind of interrupted um, him so he's on so shift so he's on shift work and he's waking up to feed this baby oh there you go That's there's what charlie, charlie said yeah my, so if, my kid ain't ever gonna sleep <laughs> <laughs> i think my interpretation is
0: that like the waking up to feed and change the baby is probably when he doesn't have shift work so he's got shift work some nights where he's out of the house and then the other nights that he is in the house he is waking up in the middle of the night to do that So he's breaking up his sleep
1: into one to three hour increments. And that's consistent. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. So what do you do ball?
2: Well, from a training perspective, there there's the very obvious answer is that potentially volume, you know, you,
0: you might need to pull that down for a bit when you're looking out for your recovery. Got to turn your mic. Um, oh, for real. Yeah, you're quiet. You're always so quiet. Come in here and say, <sighs> well, hey guys, it's me, Polly Rocket. You know, i want to talk about some training considerations today. For people that aren't watching on YouTube, you don't know what you're missing right now. You don't know what you're missing as this beautiful Korean man spins back and forth. We get Paul from every <laughs> angle. <laughs> <laughs> See, deep in every crevice.
2: Um... <laughs> <laughs> every skin fold. Uh, my mic is turned up as loud as it can be. I it's think. a lot better now. Okay. Maybe I just need to like be right up, right up on it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you might have to pull volume down. Uh, how much is a really tough, um, tough answer. You know, what's interesting though, is it seems to be the general consensus that you can largely maintain on something like 30 to 50 percent of the volume that you're you used to doing right that's right right ryan
0: yeah it's probably it's probably closer to 30 percent if you want to be yeah. safe i think 50 percent would be the real safe number there
2: yeah so if you're running into recovery issues i, I mean me personally i wouldn't just automatically pull it down to 30 right i I would probably do something incremental and see if you can find that good middle ground that allows you to get good uh good training in uh, and not feel like you're um backtracking or whatever unless things are just absolutely brutal and and you know, for the sake of keeping everything else together in your life, you're just like, okay, I I can only do 30% of my normal training volume, you know, and keep everything together and, and be a good, uh, good at your job, you know, a good husband, good father, all of that. But, um, yeah, so that's something to look at. And then maybe even you said he's a power lifter, right? Yeah. So
0: strength is his number one pursuit.
2: Yeah. So, you know not that volume is definitely important in strength training, but you know, that, that number one driver there is going to be, you know, intensity of load. And so, uh, you might have some more wiggle room to play with volume there, but especially with powerlifting being the primary goal, you know, one of the first places you can look to reduce volume are in, you know, the, um, the other muscle groups that are a little less important for, uh, yeah you know, immediate performance and you know bench squat deadlift things like that uh and then a sort of i'm sure I'll think of more things as we like talk and I'll interrupt everyone and be like oh yeah but um one of the first uh or one thing that really comes to mind that i remember uh being mentioned in grad school is that if you have, say, a bad night of sleep where you only get three, four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep, it may be a better idea. And this is going to be very individual, but it may be a better idea to actually train earlier in the day because then it's almost like training after a nap versus training after, you know, being sleep deprived for several, several hours. So if you only get three, four, five hours of sleep and you train eight, 12 hours later, that may have a larger impact on, um, you know, how fatigued you feel over that session.
0: So if you're, so you're saying if that like last segment of sleep is like two hours before you wake up, go train after that, and then try and fit a nap in somewhere else throughout the day.
2: No, I'm saying like, uh, let's just say through that duration of the night, he only totals like four hours of sleep, right? He may have. He may feel better through his session if that session is earlier in the day. And it would be almost like replicating training after a short nap or something versus training after, you know, over the last 36 hours, you've been
0: awake for the majority of them, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the what he mentioned to me that he was going to try and do when fatigue was really high was that he was going to do like one set of his accessories so that he had like maybe four sets of accessories three sets of accessories four sets of accessories total um while just doing the strength and the like complementary strength movement so a session might be like oh, we're gonna do back squat heavy back squats Um, the core accessory movement might be like a deficit stiff leg deadlift. And then it might have like leg curls and leg extensions, like single leg deficit squats or something like that. He would just dial back the second half of that, but do the first half as it's written, is that kind of what you were getting at with like pulling down the accessory volume
2: that, yeah, that's probably where I would start. Um, and yeah, one hard set would be okay. Or warming up to a hard set or even something. Like for the single joint movements, even like rest, pause, mile rep stuff might allow you to get some decent volume in, but without all the, uh, extra junk volume and all of that.
0: Now, how about, um, so let's say it's the same workout back squat and then it's stiff leg deadlift, leg extension, leg curl, and... I don't know, like a, yeah, like a single leg deficit squat. Would it make more sense to do one good set of each of those accessories or just do the three sets of one movement and then maybe cycle through those movements from week to week, where one week you do the leg extensions for all three sets and then another week you do the leg curls for all three sets and then the next week you do the single leg deficit squats, all three sets. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. On the surface, it would make more sense to me to train all the movements, but at fewer sets, just okay. because there are, there's going to be such a a great length of time for a potential detraining period. If you're doing something every other week or every third week or, uh, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: That makes perfect sense. Dude, he no. just needs to get a modafinil script. <laughs>
2: Well, that's there we a really, there's, there's,
1: narcolepsy there's right There's the up. supplemental yeah. considerations
0: right there. Just get yourself a script, yeah. friend.
2: Um, I mean I'm I I'm largely gonna let Don talk on the supplements, but that is something that is huge though, is to make sure that you're because you may re- be relying more on stimulants, like make sure that isn't further ruining your sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. So let's jump ahead. Let's jump over nutrition. We'll circle back to that one. Let's go straight ahead to supplements since that seems to be, um, our next logical topic. So something on supplements that I want to address first is like, Dom, you've got a really good list of sleep promoting supplements. Is that something that someone in this situation could even benefit from? Like, do they want to take those supplements to like in- Cause they literally can't increase their sleep duration,
1: right? Or they, they, Like it's physical. So their sleep cycle number is probably low. So taking some of the supplements that I would recommend, which help with more sleep cycles and extending those REM cycles probably wouldn't be as beneficial for them. Um, but it's not to say that it wouldn't help because maybe some of the ones that help the person fall asleep faster gets him to sleep faster. So like the first hour of his time with his head on the pillow is more productive than beforehand. Um, you know, taking things like magnesium, glycinate, even melatonin, right? Like a couple like maybe a half hour before bed might get him to fall asleep faster and then we won't have to worry about the other kind of supplements that would be for like the duration of sleep because duration is not going to be that you know he does he doesn't have that much time so if we can get him to fall asleep faster it might be more beneficial um to just you know get more out of that short amount of time he has actually sleeping because we know we know for the most part like even if you track your sleep you'll see that first hour it's very restless. It's not. It's not you're not really sleeping. So if we can and get that, that to if that we can get that hour to shrink to a half hour, we just gained a half hour of sleep for him. Because that one
0: hour represents a third or 25% <laughs> of his total sleep for yeah, the day in a 24 hour window. So at one hour. Yeah. So if you can cut that one hour and a half add an extra 30 minutes, it might sound insignificant to someone who's sleeping eight, nine hours a, a night. But for him, that's a, that's a humongous amount of extra sleep. Yeah,
1: yeah no. And then I think, I mean, I wasn't joking about the modafinil, but I mean, it's it's a script. You, maybe he could talk to the doctor about it. Um, but utilizing something like that on the days where maybe he's only able to get two to three hours of sleep and has going to have to be up for, you know, 20 hours is something that, he could maybe talk to his doctor about, um,
2: it's a safety thing too, man. you you're like driving to work and, you, yeah. you know, I don't know what he does for work or, you know, you know, so he's a porn I star. Think... <laughs> Oh, well, we don't want to be in a little noodle <laughs> from stims. <Like, laughs>
0: We've got to be really careful of stims.
2: Uh, all right. We, we need some uh, Cialis too.
0: add to the supplement regimen. <laughs> so I think a lot of people, when they are in that situation, they reach for something like Adderall or Vyvanse. What would be the benefit of Modafinil over going with those two? Because Modafinil is definitely still more of a fringe.
1: So, yeah, um, so Modafinil suitable. works differently in that it... Um, not to get too technical, but it's more of an alertness rather than a focus stimulation you get like you get when you use like Adderall or Vyvanse, you're not as focused, but you're, you're very alert. So you can, you know, you're paying attention to a lot of things around you not just one single thing, like you would get with like, uh, an amphetamine and that's I actually think, why uh, i think certain athletes have been popped military midafinil. uses modafinil all the time yeah it's a huge thing in the military maria sharapova yeah. who's a
0: tennis player she got popped for taking modafinil and that makes perfect sense because when you are playing a dynamic sport like tennis you need to be able to focus on many inputs all at once instead of just that laser-like focus that you might get with adderall or byvanse
2: Yeah. I I think, uh, some other considerations for Adderall and Vyvanse, um, there's probably a greater risk of, um, forming habits, bad habits, and potentially even addiction. You know, there's a certain euphoria that comes with Adderall and Vyvanse that a lot of people like and potentially get addicted to and end up abusing. Yeah. That's true. And, and and the effectiveness of something like in a sleep deprived state, when you use Adderall and Vivance, the effect is going to be uh much more shorter lived, and which increases the risk of abuse even more because instead of an individual taking an Adderall or a Vivance that gets them through the next six, eight, ten hours they're potentially taking it every three hours through the day, and then they're taking it too close to bed. And, you know, that, that magnifies potential health risks and such too.
0: I think there's probably a risk there for someone who does have such an unpredictable schedule that they take their Adderall and then they've got a couple hours of downtime where they could have taken a nap, but now they're unable to because of that stimulant use or because of, you know, basically putting a stimulant in the system.
2: Potentially. And that, that may be huge for somebody like him, you know, getting some sleep where he can and trying to make up for it as much as he can, even though you can't completely make up for all of it, taking naps or taking slightly longer nights of sleep when you can, uh, is definitely better than nothing.
0: Get it where you can might be a pretty good little nugget of advice for him right there. Right? Like if it's 10 minutes or an hour or two hours, if you can get it, get as much as you possibly can.
2: Yeah. Um, But on the bright side with this question, you know, this, it could be longer, but this sounds like it's probably a a fairly short period of his life, six months, you know? And um, I mentioned this on a couple of podcasts, you know, when I was in grad school and I was getting my master's teaching and I started coaching, I had a nine month period where um, I only slept three to five hours a night or something like that and yeah i mean you can probably expect to not make as much progress um and we'll probably get more into that when we talk about the nutrition stuff but one thing i would urge him to do is to try to be in as much of a rhythm as he possibly can uh which is tough and when he's out of this phase to really buckle down and try to get back on the sleep habits because once once you kind of fuck those up and you fuck them up long enough, it's like it's such a huge challenge to get back going again. It's like trying to start flossing it's feels fucking impossible never, um, started. <laughs> never started <laughs> yeah um and uh you know when you go because it took me a couple years more than a couple years to actually buckle down and get things normal again your body when it's so out of rhythm, even when you build those good sleep habits, it it may take several months for you to actually get good sleep again. Weird shit'll happen. You'll just wake up at three in the morning and you're like, well I guess I'm up. I only <laughs> slept five hours. Like, you know, and it takes a while to before you can get your body sleeping seven plus hours a night in, in one uh, go or one
0: or two goes post contest prep my sleep would always be like that because during prep my sleep just gets absolutely horrible and it might take you know four eight weeks post show for that stuff to kind of level out how about on the um how about on like the non-supplemental non-training just purely like habits or kind of like lifestyle hygiene side of things. What are the things that you recommend to your clients in terms of improving their sleep? Me, I'm a big journaling guy. I feel like a lot of people go to bed with a lot on their mind. And I find that letting having them write it down before they go to bed or have like a checklist that they when they finish off their checklist, they're done for the day, their mind isn't racing on what needs to happen that next day. That's a that's a trick that I like to use. I like blue light glasses. What's the, where's, the re- shit, where's the where's the research out on blue light glasses where where are we at on that i i've never
2: looked at it i've just seen like cnn articles like quoting some harvard health, health
0: guy that's, or something that's that's doing research what did the article say <laughs> said good okay then that's that's good
1: do to something listen dude my headaches have gone away my unrelated eyes are not as sleep. dry unrelated to sleep i sleep better oh there we go <laughs>
2: but did they fix your gut health
1: <laughs> it is probably all related to my yeah, gut <laughs> honestly sleep quality is all
0: to your gut health Give yourself a nice to do cleanse. With your
2: health. i'm starting a new thing but
0: health. <laughs> but blue light you know you see a lot of people promote those
1: talk about those do you wear those throughout the day do you wear them before i wear bed? these throughout Both. the day okay and then i have tinted ones that i'll wear at night
0: you know what is some absolute fuck shit? I went to the eye doctor to get a, con- a script for my contacts. Got my contact script. Had to deal with the guy doing all sorts of weird shit and f- fucking poking my eyes and stuff. And I go to buy glasses, and they're like, this is a contact script, not a glasses script. They're like are the same fucking thing. It's an exam on my eyeballs, and I need the same thing. But Warby Parker's like, no, we need the, we need the glasses. Pissed off. I'm trying to get those fancy glasses like you, Dom. I got some old school fucking like Oakley ugly things that reptile. Oh, here's a on. here's
1: a systematic review on evening wear of blue blocking glasses for sleep and mood disorders. Ah, I don't give a fuck. We were just scroll down to the four. Pub- yeah, <laughs> right to the bottom. Uh, Twenty four <laughs> publications focusing on sleep. There was substantial evidence for blue blocking glasses being a successful intervention for reducing sleep onset latency in patients with sleep disorders, jet lag, or shift work. Schedules. Oh. Given the well-established bio biological mechanism and clinical research showing that blue blocking glasses are effective for inducing sleep. They are a viable intervention to recommend to patients with insomnia or a delayed sleep phase.
2: That's all placebo, dude,
1: <laughs> dude I, you know, funny thing, my <laughs> masters, I had to take an elective and I did i did physiology of the eye for an entire semester
0: oh holy shit oh cones and rods that's all i know those things are both in there somewhere and they both do it something. was actually a pretty cool class <laughs> you know it's a good piece of advice stop fucking <laughs> and jimmy does this and it, it lexi does it too and it pisses me off to no end it'll be like 10:30 p.m and they'll be on the couch on their phone and they have the phone like this close to their face Like one, you're going to go blind and two, you're never gonna be able to go to sleep because you are literally shining the brightest of lights directly into your eye at nighttime.
1: So that's another one. Stop with those bright ass lights. Another thing a lot of people do that is a bad habit to form is putting like a show or TV or movie that they find themselves getting really invested into because you'll, you will try to keep yourself awake. Yes. because you want to stay invested in what you're watching you need reruns of family guy
0: rick and morty i'll also accept solar opposites you've already seen it before it's a nice little friends. background noise Friends is a good one friends yeah if you're like 42 years old throw on friends <laughs> um i like
2: to try to tell people to um try to lay down like a solid hour or so 30 minutes to an hour before they actually need to be asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And and just try not to do anything that you get too invested in. You know, like I remember I would try and find like research articles and I would just fucking sit there and read and be like, Oh my God, it's two in the morning or like Wikipedia something or play (laughs) on social media. These days, what I do is I I, uh, just get on YouTube long enough to find a podcast that I think I'd be interested in. Usually, it's on some like comic book story or something, and uh, I pick it, flip my phone upside down so the light isn't bothering me. I put on a nose strip, I do some uh, deep belly breathing through my nose, and just kind of drift away listening to the podcast. Helps me relax.
1: Rub like and tug, that. and he's done. Do you yeah. like the nose strips? Because like the, now well, the, that I weigh over two hundred uh, pounds, I feel like I can't breathe. Flexing. He's yeah, flexing on us. so
2: the nose strip it, it doesn't help with really anything like snoring, but it allows me to breathe more comfort, comfortably through my nose, which relaxes me uh, and helps me go to sleep.
0: Huh. Okay, yeah. Do you guys know of any data uh, on like nose breathing versus mouth breathing sleep quality? Let's go ask your local yoga instructor. I've, I feel <laughs> like I feel like intuitively. Nose breathing would be more relaxing, better sleep, maybe? It
2: it really feels that way to me, like deep belly breathing through my nose. Um, I've seen, I haven't looked into it. I've seen some like, you know, blog articles where people are like, you should never breathe through your mouth ever. Buy this tape and tape your mouth shut while you sleep. And I've actually seen that too. Very strange. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Whatever you're into.
2: But I will say, I mean, it relaxes me more.
1: I I would say it is. I mean, even when they teach people who are having, like, panic attacks, like they say, breathing through your nose. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'll count three seconds in, three seconds out slowly while I'm falling asleep. And then the next thing I know, I'm not counting anymore. And I'm fucking out.
1: Does nose breathing reach all the way to your lower lung, though? I
2: don't know. I just... The fuck if I know Dom <laughs>
1: my wife's an ENT I should probably know this
2: <laughs> I would assume I feel like I can breathe just as deeply through Those my nose, nose my mouth. breathing I feel like breathing through my mouth just gets it in faster
0: <laughs> I can just suck it in <sighs> like Kirby
1: oh yeah so actually breathing through your nose allows a deeper breath yeah. and engages your lower lungs more all mm-hmm. right, there it is. Science. It's proven. Breathe through your nose. Yep. Use Gotta your simulate nose strips. Those <laughs> Um, This is kind so of
2: really I'll notice too, doing like the deep belly breathing. Like if I ever look at my heart rate data, my heart rate will drop like faster too.
1: Yeah.
0: So I'll have like some of my workouts. Tom will write them in as like nasal breathing only. And it's like to encourage keeping a lower heart rate. So you don't get out of control with like your mouth breathing. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's related to sleep quality or relaxation or anything like that here's a somewhat related question. People will say, keep your bed for, you know, sleeping and making whoopee and that's it don't do anything else in don't do homework in your bed. Don't do anything that involves like being in a state of wakefulness or like, you know, just high brain activity in your bed. What do you guys think about like eating in bed or. Secondary question, eating close to bed. Good for sleep quality, bad for
1: sleep quality. What do you think? Oh, that's a it's a doozy. It really is because I can eat and like have a really good night's sleep still. Yeah.
2: So wait, you said eat, eating in bed.
1: Eating in bed that...
0: slash eating close to bedtime. Oh, uh,
2: I always eat a shit ton close to bedtime. Um, So there are I think a lot of people mention things that I don't doubt are helpful, like not doing other things in your bed. Like, I'm sure that's helpful um, or not having a giant meal before bed or whatever, you know, probably may be helpful. I have no idea, but I just think there's there are other boxes that you need to check before blue light helps or not doing homework helps, you know, like making sleep a priority and making that time a priority going to bed at the same time leaving yourself enough hours you know for the sleep and doing that consistently right? Like people are wondering like, why am I waking up a bunch or why can't I fall asleep sometimes? And it's like, well, some nights you go to bed at one in the morning and other nights you go to bed, you try to go to bed at 10 and you know, some nights you're sleeping five hours, some nights you're sleeping like eight or nine, you know, when, when your sleep schedule is all over the place like that, like all that other bullshit, like, isn't going to help you blocking blue light. Isn't going to help you like your meals, like doing other shit in your bed. Like none of that stuff is going to help you. If you don't nail down solid basics
0: what about uh what about water intake close to bed i've heard greg knuckles talk pretty extensively about this about tapering down your water intake near the end of the day just so that you're not waking up two three four times in the middle of the night to pee i don't know how often you guys wake up in the middle of the night to pee but for me it's probably two or three times i have a bad habit of chugging a lot of water at night
1: i'm probably once if any
2: like once maybe twice usually what happens to me is like i i might wake up for a different reason and be like oh, i might as well pee now so that yeah that doesn't wake me up in a few hours um but everything's all about what you're used to i remember uh back when i was in the army i thought it was essential to bur- drink uh casing protein before you went to bed so i would have like 24 ounces of water with like 50 grams of uh, casein protein
1: before bed
2: yeah like every single night and uh yeah first i'd wake up and have to take like monster peas but eventually i would just like be able to hold it in all night you know so like you'll you'll get most people probably get used to whatever amount as long as it's like you don't just do some random crazy thing like drink like a fucking liter of water right before bed one random night but I do have heard of people who have like overactive bladders, and they almost no matter what they have to stop after a certain time, or else they'll wake up like six times to pee. Six times? There's something crazy like that every oh few hours God, if they don't stop like... drinking. Like, I don't know. It could be bullshit, but sounds I've heard miserable. people claim that. Yeah,
1: Dom, what about you? Uh, maybe once, if that i don't drink much water close to bed actually not out of like habit it's just i don't i I feel like i just don't do it i I will
2: do it if i go because i train fairly late at night and have my last meal fairly late at night so if i train late as shit i do um if i take my last pee of the day and it's like really dark i'm like oh yeah i should probably drink some water before i go to bed (laughs) I can't just exist in this dehydrated state for the next nine hours of my life.
0: (laughs) I think my problem is that one of my last meals of the day is always just like so much salt. I I just have a way too much salt in that meal. And then that compels me to drink an obscene amount of water. Because I'll drink like a half a gallon, close to a gallon of water from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Which I think is is probably a little bit excessive
2: dom said what
0: i don't know what it is dude i I probably have like three liters of water a day that's like the crazy like i always have i've always drank so much water so i have that like half gallon thing that i bring i'll do like four of those like easy in a day and that doesn't count like the coffee and random gatorades and shit that i'm drinking that's a lot
2: i don't track my water i just i'm a hydrated anytime i pee anytime i pee uh And and it's on the darker end. I'm like, I should go have a glass of water right now.
0: My pee is very
1: rarely any color other than completely clear. Oh, my God. Someone's going to say that you're hyperhydrating and losing all your minerals. That's fine. That's fine. I'll pee on them. (laughs) All right. How about a
0: nutrition side of things? Let's take a nutrition maybe from like a sleep consideration thing. I don't know if there's a lot like to talk about there with like nutrition and its interaction with sleep, but maybe like a nutritional considerations, understanding that there's an extra recovery demand here if sleep isn't being met. So can I just eat more calories, drink more whole milk and not sleep at all?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Did you want to start, Dom, or you want me to jump in?
1: Sorry, say that again? <sighs> the nutritional side. Paul can go. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for Dom, being here. Dom's,
2: <laughs> Dom's busy on Pornhub right now. Um, so uh, that was a really bad joke. But anyways, um, I would be... I, very very obviously i probably wouldn't do uh much dieting or any drastic dieting in this time frame right because you got to think of like your recovery there are a lot of things that contribute you know your sleep your food your stress or whatever and losing sleep is some form of stress and that is going to lower your ceiling for what the amount of stress that you can tolerate right so by going into a diet you know that that sort of lowers the ceiling even more and you're probably probably have a lot of life stresses along with this kid so so that recovery capacity is just sort of dwindling down the, the more stressors you add to your life uh so but you also probably don't want to be in a uh a large surplus either because you're, you're probably not going to partition food as well as you could when um training volume is higher uh and you know they're if i'm not mistaken are are like research studies that show that you know losing the sleep as well you know sort of may expose you to more unfavorable body composition changes right um There was something else, but another thing you're going to have to be careful about is you're awake for more hours a day. So that was the biggest challenge for me. We dieted, uh, you, you were, uh, doing my nutrition and my training back when I was sleeping very little in grad school, Ryan. And, uh, we, we got pretty damn lean. I remember that year I went from 270 down to like 207 at the lowest. And the biggest challenge there towards the end when hunger was really high was I was just awake more hours of the day. And I couldn't spread my food enough to uh, not suffer.
0: Yeah, I think not only from like a body composition standpoint, I think there's like some metabolic, uh, you know, ramifications of being in a massive surplus and not sleeping very much either. I'm pretty sure insulin sensitivity goes down. I'm sure blood glucose goes way up. I'm sure there's It's got to be some sort of negative blood blood sugar will go way up. Blood sugar will go up. I'm sure cortisol will go very high. Um, (laughs) I would anticipate that with that high cortisol, you may see a drop off in sex hormones. Um, You might see a shifting of that cortisol to testosterone ratio, which isn't going to be in your, your, your best interest for building a ton of muscle. Maybe even like some negative stuff with triglycerides as well. Possibly.
2: I would assume.
1: I, um, I've had clients who had similar situations like this with sleep and tried to diet down every single one of them. We had to end their dieting phase. Yeah. Because See, my it, thing just was too hard.
2: My, my thing is, uh, like, obviously I didn't get show prep lean or, uh, contest lean, but we got pretty damn lean. Like we were probably like, what, 15, 10, 15 pounds away. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I would say 12, point. 15.
2: Yeah. And, uh, the diet went fine. It just became very hard to stick to. And most likely because I was getting such little sleep, I, I probably maybe sacrificed more muscle than I would have, you know, if I had been getting good sleep. So it's just something that that is not going to be very productive to your long-term goals.
0: Had that, had that prep been seen to its end? I, I don't, think that the final product would have been something that was like your best or anywhere close to it. Because I would say the hardest 80% of a contest prep is probably backloaded into the last 20% of that diet. And I think where you were was probably in that last 20% where things were going to get pretty uncomfortable. And as cardio ramps up and training gets harder and food gets lower, if you don't have sleep to kind of wipe the slate clean each day from a recovery standpoint, eh, shit gets a little, shit gets a little hectic.
2: Absolutely, dude. And I think uh, I remember now granted that dieting that year, I spent more weeks in dieting that year than probably, you know, for my actual prep. But my hunger was higher there than towards the end of that than it had ever been on prep, you know, when I actually did a show. So there may have been I I don't it's hard to say whether it was how many weeks of dieting I did that year or, you know, the almost the, the 60 plus pounds that I lost is probably a factor. But there may have been something there with the lack of sleep just causing hunger to be even more unmanageable.
0: Don't some of the time-restricted eating people say that like intermittent fasting or TRE improves sleep quality? Looks like I've heard that.
2: That's interesting because- Is, there,
0: is that research or is that like <sighs> blog talk? That was like someone posted it and this was not like research. I think they were referencing research, but I just didn't read the studies because-
2: I think there's something crazy. with like the circadian rhythm, but it's interesting because people say that you definitely want to eat, you know, somewhat within a reasonable proximity of bed, but you don't want to eat too much. And with intermittent fasting, typically your calories are back loaded to the end of your, your day.
0: Yeah. You know. I also don't know if that would pertain to this situation because Mike doesn't really have like a bedtime or like a sleep time because things are so variable from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the nutritional side? maybe like a macronutrient ratio that's going to help them the most anything to be concerned with on the macros we said maintenance are slightly cal- higher in calories i'd say you know make sure you're getting your protein in i don't know if i have any
1: special instructions on carbs and fat you guys think no i don't really have anything special yeah. to say
2: yeah i think no. total caloric I- intake is going to be the biggest thing to control and then Maybe there's there, I I couldn't, maybe there's a small benefit to keeping like more carbs around the training window, but I mean, I couldn't say that for sure.
0: Yeah. So nothing to obsess with over there. Nailed the supplement side, got the training done. He's already on the right path there. What do you guys think? I think we just did a, I think we just did a good job. We invoice we, we invoice him hundred dollars each for our time. You're welcome. Um, anything else? Wow. We're the best guys. Pat yourself on the back. Uh, We're doing good by the community. Got a, he's got a newborn. You know, we figured out that he's got a wife, fiance, something like that. Their support. what Would you name your baby? Did you name it? The squad father? Did you name it? Dominic? Did you name it? Paul? If not, you know, it's not too late to change your mind and change the name of the baby.
2: I have a little bit of anecdotes.
0: Let's hear Um,
2: it. I sort of feel like in periods where sleep is low, that I benefit more from potentially having the off days between training. So obviously if you're lowering your training volume, like you, you can go through, through it one of two ways you can train a lot of days a week and have shorter sessions or you can train fewer days a week, but every day of training you pull out a session may become longer. So you kind of have to decide what's better for your schedule, you know, a few longer sessions or several shorter sessions through the week with your volume more distributed. But I sort of feel like having those days off becomes a little more beneficial.
0: Won't work, Paul. Won't work. He's on Team Builder and Team Builder waits for no man. The Gifted (laughs) Express rolls right along whether you're at the station or not. Get your ticket, get on board, and prepare for a wild fucking ride. Sign up. Dollar a day. Get all of your training needs. You could be a bodybuilder. You could be a powerlifter. You could be a weightlifter. You could even be a lifestyle client. That's some amazing savings. And you can get jacked and strong like Mr. Mike here. That concludes our episode for today. Today was all about sleep. If you do want to see another episode with a PhD in going to sleep, go ahead and click the link, click the box that's gonna be up around here somewhere. Uh, Dom and I did a great episode with Dr. Allison Brager, who is a neuroscientist and we talked all things sleep. Not only is she a neuroscientist, do you see she's officially an astronaut now? They're sending her space. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Astronauts on the podcast, only here at the GPP. If that doesn't deserve a like, a comment, and a subscribe, the big three, then I don't know what will. If you don't do that, we might not see you on the next one. If you do, we most definitely will see you on the next one. In the meantime, stay gifted. Bye. Paul, you're so delayed on those now, Paul. You're off your game.